0: It's
1: sand. Hello everybody, it's Josh Cabot. Happy to welcome you to the first part. We knew it was going to be a two-parter. The first part of episode 34, No Small Parts 2, or No Small Parts 2. Our uh, further exploration of uh, underloved and overlooked roles, this time featuring Supporting actresses so and I'm pleased to say that we go all the way back to someone who started her career in the 19-teens to folks who are still working today and we stop about everywhere in between so enjoy uh, Learn as much as I did from John and Mike both trained actors who have so much insight to offer on this topic and We will put out episode 34b uh, in a couple of weeks And uh, then get ready for our December episode. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for being part of Team Vintage Sand. Have an amazing Thanksgiving and we'll see you with... Part two of this on the other side of the holidays. Hello, 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 vintage sand fans, all twelve of you. Yes, the numbers rising slowly, mm-hmm. but uh, you know we're getting there. Um, actually, Mikey, you were saying that and, uh, that uh, we got some good feedback on our last episode. Yes. Yeah. Well, John said. I did too. Uh, yeah. Well, any, anything specific? Anything you want to share with our loving fans?
0: Not in not during the episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I will try to be more discreet this time. After outing Mickey Mouse in our last episode, yeah, and I will. Goofy uh, is very upset with me. Small tree. Woo! I just heard he does both. Well, he's both ways.
1: He's that kind of mouse. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, listen. He's listen. all things to all people. Like with all mice, any hole in a storm. <laughs> there you go. Whoa! <laughs> no Disney
2: star this week is in the necrology, <laughs> So.
1: All right, we have a small necrology this week since it's been such a short time between... Well, hello, everybody. We we are we are here. It's the uh, Friday before Thanksgiving. And uh, so what are we giving thanks for this year, guys? This was... 2020 was not a give thanks kind of year. No. Well, it's I gave thanks it.
2: last year that Trump... Wasn't a that's right. Elective. I do
1: remember that. Yes, I mean, and that we all survived the pandemic. Yeah, knock on wood, and we're still doing this yeah, every right. month, and so that's something to give thanks. And I'm sure our audience is giving tremendous thanks for just us being us. <laughs> yes, thank you for welcoming us
0: into your home. <laughs> into
1: your homes. That's so lovely. I feel like a '40s radio show with a husband and wife
0: that's in the right. morning. You know, or, or Waldo Lydecker. <laughs> when you listen to us over your morning coffee or for fun make of fun of I love Waldo. He, he
2: was my uh, idol when I was... Uh, Shotguns I, in I, the I clock. There,
0: one. I spoiled Laura for
1: you. All right, there you go. <laughs> it's in the clock. God, I love that movie. Yes. You know what I want to get? I want to get the little thing that Dana Andrews played yes. with you where know, I get the little BBs in the... Yes. In, in the,
0: I love that Yeah, game. I love when he says, but yes, but it calms me.
1: Oh my God, I love Love, love, love that movie. So, we are here uh, for episode thirty-four. Yes, episode thirty-four of uh, Vintage End the film podcast, your film history podcast. And uh, last time in 33, uh, which went so long that we had to run it into two episodes, which was kind of awesome, um, we shifted our focus. As I mentioned, you know, the focus of a lot of what we've done so far, uh, you know, loyal listeners, as you know, has been centered on directors, centered on genres, centered on certain periods, centered on, uh, you know, our favorite beginnings or endings of films. And, you know, it's it's natural for a, a study of film history to be director-centric trick Um, but, uh, I think we made the case, especially Mike and John, credit where credit is due for the importance of, you know, the, the, we talked last week about the problem with the auteur, auteur theory, as Pauline Kael pointed out, is that how can one person be the artist in a medium that's so deeply collaborative and how important the actors are to that. So we focused in episode 33 on our favorite supporting actor performances over the years. And we really ran the gamut, some, some interesting choices and some great stories, So now uh, we will devote episode uh, 34 to a similar focus, No Small Parts 2. See, sort of combine the two things there. Uh, To some of our favorite such supporting performances by actresses uh, that are underloved and uh, overlooked across the years. Now, spoiler alert. I already figured out what Mike's number one is going to be, all right? It's going to be Lila Kudrova in Torn torn Curtain, right, Mike? No. (laughs) No. My sponsor. Where is my sponsor? God. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I mean... I didn't even
2: like her in Zorba the Greek, frankly.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I understand. And she but, won. And for those, you know, we talk about Torn Curtain a lot. I, you should probably see it before you hate it as much as we do, but... Why would uh, you do that to our audience? Uh, that's true. That is is that that is kind of uh, cruel, and I believe punishable under the uh, well, Geneva that's Convention. A good, that's
0: a good murder scene in the... Uh, eh. the- and that's, no. mm, that's it that's the one scene and I think it, and I think the reason people always point that out is because the rest of the movie is it's so, so bad. boring so bad and <laughs> I don't know
1: why Lila Kudrove is in there it felt like she was written in at the last second and
0: she, um, maybe he wanted somebody else at first and wasn't available. Or... Made me
1: miss the Iron Curtain, made me
0: miss that, the good old that, days that of was, East Germany.
2: I <laughs> think that was her first movie after
0: having
1: won the Oscar. For Zorba, yeah. I kind of that. Right, 64 to <laughs> 66, sure. All right, so we are going to do our top five, and no, Michael is going to choose something much better than Lila Controva looking for her sponsor in <laughs> Twin Curtain. Yeah, it's terrible. Not even worth a joke. There you <laughs> go. I don't know. I thought, was it worth a joke? Let's <laughs> check the jokeometer. No, we're getting almost into the red there. So, um... Uh, but I'll have to dispute you on that. So we'll start with number fives, and we'll kick off with the man, the legend, the
0: one and only, Mr. John Meyer. Ah. Well, before I start, I just want to quickly hark back to our previous episode since we had mentioned several people from The Godfather, and I want to shout out to Al Lettieri as Salazzo because oh, he yeah. is absolutely great in The Godfather. And Abe Vigoda is good too, for yep. God's sake. Everybody's good. I mean, everyone's good. Everybody's. And Al
2: Letterai does. Rip- bear a resemblance to our former governor.
0: Oh, that's true. I never thought about that. I
2: tend they're the same person, but... Yeah. I've, well, we've I've... never seen them
0: together. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so, my number five. Anne Sheridan in The Man Who Came to Dinner love, and love, love. Edge of Darkness, two ends of the acting spectrum. Yeah, I don't know Edge of Darkness. Okay, well, in The Man Who Came to Dinner, Sheridan plays Lorraine Sheldon, a vain, self-centered movie star who becomes part of a plot to steal Betty Davis's boyfriend and then unwittingly has the tables turned on her and is shipped off to Nova Scotia. Oh my god, you don't want that! You have to eat lobster every She's night. She's very charming and funny in the movie. An Edge of Darkness is 1943, is a World War II movie directed by Lewis Milestone that huh. takes place in Norway during a Nazi occupation. Anne Sheridan plays Karen Stensgaard, who is very involved with the resistance and is very committed to the cause. And she plays her as someone who is very, very strong and willful, but still very humane and compassionate. And it's a very modern character. And it's one of those World War II movies from that era that's aged pretty well. It is rather grim, but it's almost an ensemble piece. Almost everybody in the movie has their has their scene. Uh, Errol Flynn, Flynn is in it, Walter Houston, Ruth Gordon, mm. uh, Gordon? Morris Karnowsky, Helmut Dantin, as of course the Nazi. Uh, yes, one would imagine. <laughs> I guess Conrad Veidt was not available. <laughs> yes. yeah, it's a, it's a fairly big cast, uh, but she's, she's really, really good in it. And one of the things that I've always liked about her, whenever I see her in something, is I always feel like she's the smartest person in the room.
1: What ha- I mean, She had a great career up through the 40s. What well, happened to her Well, yeah, she, her,
0: she had a span where she was a so-called star of a few years, and then she was in a couple of things yeah. that didn't do well at the box office, and studio was like, okay, well, we'll relegate her to B-pictures.
2: And she died relatively young. Yeah. She died
0: at 56, I think. Yeah. Did she, yeah. she
2: was doing a sitcom called Pistols and Petticoats. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she, uh, in yeah, the yeah, 60s? In the 60s, 66. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching that. And uh, then she wasn't appearing in a lot of the episodes, and yeah, she wound up she, yeah, dying. Yeah, she had cancer. She
0: Was cancer. she a
1: stage actress as well? I
2: don't know.
0: Uh, if I she, don't think so. If, I don't think so. She might have done some stage work, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about her doing any kind of stage work. But you're right, she did end up gravitating towards TV. Yeah. Um, so she's the thinking
1: man's Linda Darnell, that's what you're saying, basically. <laughs>
0: <on that. laughs> Look it up, I don't people. I think they <laughs> knew
1: what to do. I think
2: maybe she was too smart. I don't think they knew what to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, with she was her. always yeah, she yeah. was
0: always good, always good. I always good, always very real, and um, and she was beautiful.
2: I particularly like her in one of my favorite Cary Grant movies. Oh yeah,
0: the, um, I was a male war bride. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, she's that's, excellent. You, in that, and she always said that she loved working in that movie. Yeah, She said she had a great it's time. Such a funny movie. Yeah. Anyway
1: no so that's great so that was so um, Anne Sheridan has been unjustly forgotten yeah I I totally agree with you guys and I think she
0: was underappreciated
1: when she was alive during her career yeah she was I mean she'd pop up in things
2: in the 50s she was in this god awful remake of the women Called uh, the opposite of sex. Oh, it was a musical version. This one had men, June Allison, boy. and John a musical Collins. Musical version? Oh, boy,
0: uh, God. It's, it's, okay, but, <laughs> but the thing is, though, that now. even if the movie was bad, she, she was still always to be good. good. Yeah,
1: and that it's funny that you say that because in listening to the last episode again, that's the one thing that we kept saying about. You know, we were talking about a lot of people in that in the last episode, and I think in this one too, who are in tons of bad movies but yeah. never give bad performances. Yeah, right. So. Right. Oh, and Sheridan. Very nice. All right, well, I'm going with someone who, uh, for my number five, who might very well be considered maybe the best s- screen actress of her generation. And so it's kind of surprising to find her on an overlooked under a uh, love list, but that would be Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. And I love Julianne Moore. Does anybody not? How could you not love Julianne yeah. Moore? How could, you know, someone who could who does comedy, who does heavy, heavy stuff, and that's the role that I chose, and it was difficult, and honestly, the only reason I didn't choose her for Lebowski, because she totally, every well everyone stole their sections of Lebowski. Yeah. She's wonderful yeah. in Lebowski's, because I chose John Goodman as my number two for that right. set self-same film. So, um, and like Phillips, she reminds me of, a, she's a female version of Philip Seymour Hoffman, or as we were talking about last week of Claude Rains, of somebody who can be the star, can have a two-minute cameo, or somewhere in the middle, yeah. play a character part, and be brilliant all the way through.
0: Well, she's willing to do anything, really. If she if she sees a part that might be good for her, she does it. And I mean, she was on Thirty Rock. She had a re- oh yeah, right. Rock. She's Alec Baldwin's uh, lost love yes. from
1: Boston. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I mean,
2: I right. saw I saw her at the Guthrie before she was famous playing Ophelia.
1: Wow, was she good? Yeah. Yeah, I can't. It was a wonderful production, I remember. Zivgo
2: Ivanak, I can never pronounce. Oh, the guy from *Homicide*. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He played Hamlet. Oh, and it was quite quite good. All
1: right, Um, but the you know of the many possible films I could choose her for, I am uh, you know it's funny uh, we were talking about Mike already has his tickets for Thanksgiving weekend for Licorice Pizza, Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest film, and you know I have been. You know, uh, I've been fascinated by, not always a huge fan of all of his films since There Will Be Blood, but I still have a particular love. For the early Paul Thomas Anderson, where he was sort of trying to be the next generation's Robert Altman, which, and from what I
2: understand, this, this film is, resembles a little bit.
1: Which is, and and she, I could have chosen her for Boogie Nights as well, because you know she plays right. that the mother of that. Yeah. Those films yeah. are always about oddball people coming together, colliding yeah. and literally yeah. colliding sometimes in different ways, and creating looking for connection. In the case of Boogie Nights, it was almost creating an alternate family, you oh, know, so it's the friends is the dad, that, right? Yeah. And she's the mom. And uh, but I'm picking her for Magnolia because and you know, that's just great there everyone is. And you know, that is the the most Even Tom Cruise. There and see I didn't even have to say it. I was ready even, to I had the boxing no, gloves on. I, I admit ready.
2: that <laughs> is the that is the one time where he knocked it out of the park and I don't know what happened to him why he did that, but he was great in
1: it. Oh, and this, the scene where the woman's interviewing him about mm-hmm. him, and trying to get information about his childhood. Yeah, and his mother. And, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, He's so uh, He good. must
2: have slipped him, a, uh, Anderson must have slipped him a Mickey or something because he is just terrific. In but that.
1: so, and Julianne, or Anderson's just great with actors, although when you have Daniel Day-Lewis, you don't, you know, yeah. you don't have a lot of hard work or Philip Seymour Hoffman. But, um, I'm not even going to try to bother with the story of Magnolia. If you haven't, if you, if you haven't seen it, you must. We'll cook. be here for four hours. Right. Her section of the film, she plays a much, much younger wife to an old dying man, Earl, played by Jason Robarts. Which I think was his last film. It was his last yeah. film. And um, what I love about her performance in it is that it's completely turned on its head because there's a scene where she goes to the lawyer to change the will. And you think it's going to be, oh, you know, oh, here here's her gold digger moment. She's about 30, 40 years younger than he is. But it's just the opposite. She goes to the lawyer and she says, I, I married him. You know, she kind of admits to being a gold digger, but she has so come to love him, honestly and openly, that she's gone to the lawyer to change the will to take her out of the will so that she doesn't get money when he dies, so that she nor anybody else will think... Now, think about the kind of actress you have to be, even with Anderson's dialogue, to play that right. And it's just such... I don't know anyone else uh, who could have pulled that off. And as Mike says, in in a film filled with outstanding performances even by actors such as young mr Cruz, who are is usually pretty awful cr episode on i think it was 16 on eyes wide shut for further confirmation um
0: <laughs> yeah, but he's too young for that
1: everyone's brilliant in it she in playing such an unexpected part and you know everyone's got a small part in it because it's the ultimate ensemble it film. is yeah it and is. you know it being a problematical film with raining frogs and everything but that aside it's, uh, it's just beautiful. And she, to me, is the, the gem among gems, playing a part that is completely unbelievable, uh, completely against logic, completely against expectation, and she totally makes it work. Yeah. So Julianne yeah, Moore, she's... for almost anything, for Anders- even for another Anderson film like Boogie Nights, but uh, I would add me-
2: I would add her, her, her performance, a lovely performance that she was sort of overlooked, um, a single man. The Tom Ford movie with Helen yeah. Firth. Yeah. She's, it gives a wonderful, wonderful, and definitely a supporting performance. She's in it for about 13, 14 minutes,
1: and uh, she's flawless. It's she always is. Yes, know. always. She made. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, she. I don't put her in the same generation as Meryl Streep. She's she's late. I mean, I she's think late. her greatest. You know, just very briefly, I think her greatest lead performance. You know, the hours, it, isn't Oh it? my god. Well, yeah. no, I'm no, I'm gonna say safe. The Todd oh, Haynes she's great in that too, oh, yeah. And guys, if you don't know that film, everyone knows her, her work in is Far From Heaven, which is one of the, yeah, one of yes. Vintage Sand's favorite movies. Yes, yes. Probably our favorite Todd Haynes film, but check her out in Safe, which The Village Voices, I remember correctly, called the best movie of the 90s. Yes. And it is it, right is, it is amazingly prescient. Yeah. Uh, and she's fantastic in it. So, but my number five In a great ensemble, one of the best ensembles of the last 25, 30 years, Julianne uh, Moore in Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. Mikey?
2: Okay, my number five is
1: someone that I talked about a little bit at
2: length during an ecology um, uh, in episode 13. And that is Valentin Cortez oh, sure. in *Day for Night*, and I said it was one of the best performances of the '70s.
1: So did Ingrid Bergman.
2: And so, did it. <laughs> if you don't remember uh, when uh, Miss Cortez lost the Oscar to uh, Ingrid Bergman, Ingrid Bergman spent the entire speech um,
0: praising her, praising
2: <laughs> Valentin Cortez. And it was, but this is for uh, Francois Truffaut's *Day for Night*. Oh, lovely. She plays Savion. Who's this wonderful, terrible, conflicted actress? She's um, she's aging. She's having line problems, which um, certain I can understand that
1: <laughs> when you get older, moving so, from sympathy to empathy. Exactly, <laughs> she goes to the wrong door,
0: and she goes to the wrong door.
2: She's drinking, but we find out that she has a son who's dying, and this this is long, extended scene where they're trying to get this scene shot. And she just disintegrates. And it starts out being very, very funny. And then it, it winds up being kind of tragic. You almost, you, 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 your heart kind of breaks. And it's all within this 10-minute this scene. And it's all because of her. And she did do a lot of movies. You said you'd never seen her when we did The Necrology. I, I, thing. I
1: can't recall off the but top of her and anything have. else.
2: She was in uh, The Barefoot Contessa. Oh, okay. She was in, um, did you ever see The House on Telegraph Hill? She was no. the lead of that with uh, Robert Wise. Uh, she was in Brother, Sister, Brother, Son, Sister Moon for Zeffirelli. She did The Legend of Lila Claire for Robert Aldridge. Hmm. Julieta the Spirits for Fellini. That's
1: right. She's, that's yeah. right.
2: And <laughs> when time ran out for and Allen. I've, don't really? Yeah, she was, uh, I forget who, she
1: was the wife of... Uh, Wait, I, I know Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, who, well. who was she? Uh, uh, she was... Uh, 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 what is that one about? I don't think uh, I, I saw it. Bo- volcano. Oh, it's Volcano,
2: okay, yeah, yes. This It was with <laughs> missed, William Holden, Paul those. Newman, and Jacqueline Bissett, and I think this was the movie that ended the Irwin Allen streak. Which, uh, I, I never so, saw that one. Which apparently applied,
1: there was no Morning After for Erwin Allen. So. I actually watched it on television just to
2: watch Valentin Cortez. And uh, it was it was not. And that I good.
1: assume she has a lot of other European credits yes, as well.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, but she did... It was a sort of a... Um, uh, the part was... Basic. She had married a uh, um, an American. In this case, she was married to Richard Basehart. Ah. And divorced him and... Uh, Kind of floated around. I was appalled. She died two years ago. That's when we did episode 13. And she was not mentioned in the Oscar. In the uh, montage? She was not. Really? And I thought that oh, was... That's
0: bizarre. Yeah. That yeah, is that's really, really bizarre. Sometimes... A winner, a winner of an Oscar. And no, no, she didn't win. Oh, that's right. She didn't, she didn't win. win. She was. I'm sorry. But, yeah, but still, that's bizarre. Yeah.
2: And especially that particular year. Because how many nominees get, uh, Yeah, you know...
1: And yeah. of and you know the the ultimate lover of film making, what is arguably the best film right. ever made about filmmaking. I mean, I would I would go out on a limb and say that and you are you are right,
2: Josh. And I've I've I said this before. If you are listeners out there who haven't seen it, I don't think you can stream it anywhere, but you can uh, buy it. Uh, and Turner Classic Movies does show it. It's usually especially around Oscar time because it did win the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film, and anybody who's interested in movies and my feeling is why would you be listening to this if you weren't? Um, I think it's our
1: charming personalities. Well, maybe... you tune in to hear your necrology. <laughs> and John's little quiz. <laughs> Stick around.
2: <laughs> I would like to think that wasn't true. <laughs> maybe in the case no, of a, John, yes, but it's not...
0: A, no, it's a wonderful movie and yeah. it's... Just, it's, just it's, everybody. Well, it's, a, it's a
2: fun movie. It's yes. fun. You actually forget you're watching a movie. Yeah. And yeah. she was she was one of that particular year she literally won every critic award except in the book the except the Academy Award. Yep. And she's my number yeah. uh, I number I think
0: five. by that time Hollywood is still feeling guilty about Ingrid Bergman after they had sort of alienated her for a long. It's like, oh, wait, let's keep giving her awards. We're sorry, we're sorry, we're well, that, sorry. <laughs> that's
2: that's what I say when people are, you know, grumbling about certain actors being, you know, whatever. I say, are you still mad at Ingrid Bergman? <laughs> <laughs> good Lord, they gave her an Oscar for Anastasia, which was... <laughs> which was not... Not, not, a very not a good movie. No, and I don't
1: think she's very good in it. No, but that's okay. Yeah, she's, and, and she's, she's, she's good in it, but it's not a good movie. The little moment for which she won and um. And Murder, on, in murder on, the, uh, on the Orient Express. She shot it in, in one afternoon. Yeah, it was, was lovely. Yeah, it know, was. But I yeah. don't, yeah, I don't yeah. get it. All no. right,
0: Johnny, number
1: four. Okay. Numero cuatro.
0: My, my number four is Jane Alexander and All the President's Men. Yes. 1976, directed by Alan K. Pakula. She doesn't have a lot of screen time in it, but she is so good. You can feel her fear, outrage, and the pressure she's under. Her emotional life in subtext is so strong, and whenever she's on screen, the emotional aspect of the movie becomes more impactful. There's a lot of n- necessary exposition in All the President's Men because there's so much information you have to absorb, but whenever Jane Alexander is on, it just brings brings you to a much deeper, more meaningful place. Was, she's was just, she nominated for yes. it? Yes, she, she was nominated, but yeah. I mean, I haven't clocked how much, how many minutes she's in it, but she's she doesn't have a lot of screen time, but it just has so much impact. She lost the Oscar to someone who had
2: even less no, it's screen less, time. Less, that's right, for network. Beatrice Strange. Oh, Beatrice Strange, <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, and another actress who, every time I see her, she's good. Yes, she still
2: she still works i saw yep. her in a play yep. right before the pandemics hit and she still
1: she was nominated
2: for actress for testament wasn't she for testament yeah yep. and, and also for lead actress in the great white hope the great white hope which and she won the tony right. award she won the hope. tony award i saw, uh, when i was a kid i saw her with james earl jones mm-hmm. magnificent I oh I ne- you saw it oh the play yeah, the plot. I never saw the movie because I'd heard the movie was not as good and I didn't want anything spoiling.
0: Oh, I've seen the movie. The Magic. It's, it's of the pretty good. I can yeah. understand why you would feel that. I way.
2: just, I'd heard. I'd yeah. read that. Uh, and Ale- Alexander was also nominated for Kramer versus Kramer. Yes. For supporting. Four yes. times. Yeah, Meryl oh. Streep won it. That's
1: right, Meryl. And, Kramer. and, she's, and she's excellent in
2: that. Let's not forget that she took several years off That's of her right. acting career to become. Uh, uh, President Clinton's chairman of uh, the arts, the... National... Uh, National yeah, yeah. yeah. National
0: NEA. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah Wow. Yeah, and that's when she sort of said, like, all these people that she had to work with didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well,
1: <laughs> and um, and uh, for those of you who had... Testament must be hard to track down these days. Yeah, it's from
2: 1983... <coughs> I thought, I thought she was
1: wonderful in that. Yeah. It's that little spate like the day after. Was yeah, on but it was TV much, much better. better. Much better, right? much, much day, better. It's yeah. post-apy, it takes place right. out, you yeah. know, yeah. there was that spate of nuclear war films, that and right. war, war yeah. games in yeah. a slightly lighter and, vein. And after. she
2: was wonderful in that, and it was difficult to watch.
0: Um, and she was wonder in Franklin and Eleanor on TV. Oh, yeah. Right. She yeah. is yeah. the best
2: still, for my money. The best. Uh, oh yeah, t- the t- best t- Ellen no, Rose. Ellen Oh Rose yes.
0: by far. Yeah, by far. there have been
2: some good ones, and there have been some bad ones. Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. All right. So and uh, so, uh, fantastic actress, and not not rem- not rem- not not need to be remembered she's still working but not appreciated enough which is exactly what this episode is about so nice job johnny um my number 4 is way 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 out of left field it's a uh it's a performance in a film well it's such an unusual film in that it is what i hate i hate how many times listeners have you said oh my god are there another movie based on a TV series or based on an older property. I mean, it doesn't seem like anyone has any any new ideas anymore. And in the 90s, in the early 90s, there was a spade. There were the Brady Bunch movies, you know, with yeah. uh, Shelley Long and uh, Gary Cole doing a Robert Reed imitation that was right. so dead perfect <laughs> that... Never saw it. I well, I grew up on the Brady Bunch. See, so I I, I I did. I didn't. And there was of course the Adams Family movies, and directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, you know, who had started yes. out as the Cohen cinematographer on Raising Arizona, you know, right. they're very sort of deliberately cartoonish Style, wonderful cast. The first one was good. This is, a, but I'm talking about the second one, uh, the oh. sequel, Adam's Family Values. First of all, you have to have been from the rag- time of Ronald Reagan to get the title. Remember William Bennett? Yes. It was all those guys, all those conservatives were yes. always going around saying, family values, family values. Yeah. And of course, you know, Bennett turned out to be uh, a, a an inveterate gambler. gambler, right? You know, and you know, not to mention Rush Limbaugh's OxyContin problem, but that's a whole other episode or twelve. Um, Adam's we digress. Family, Adam's family values is is so far superior to the original. And the original's fine. It's fun. But, um, and what's that, first of all, you have the cast is just insane. Uh, Raul Julia playing Gomez, you know, Angelica Houston playing Mort- Morticia, you know, Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester and Carol Kane as grandmama and, um, Joan Cusack, you know, who we, we could do, a, we could fill up a whole episode of just our favorite Joan Cusack supporting performances because she's, she's wonderful in this. But it what really makes the film is Paul Rudnick's script, and it's a very sophisticated uh, kind of humor that really just walks the line, and you have to play it just right. And that those actors I mentioned were able to do that is not surprising. Did, the he, fact write,
2: did he write the first one?
1: I don't think so. Or he contributed Because I'll it. be
2: honest with you, I didn't see it. Yeah, the because fir- I did not like the first one.
1: No, and, and and but the second one is much sharper and but for a child actor to be able to deliver those lines with such precision and such deadpan. And of course I'm talking about if you and if you haven't seen the movie you should most definitely see it is Christina Ricci as Wednesday. And there are two moments in particular that are absolutely priceless that she does. Uh, there's, a, she, they, they they send her off to camp. And they send her and Pugsley off to camp. And it's this, literally, call Camp Chippewa. It's just very happy. And, and you know, they are not Chipper. And so they lock them and her her boyfriend in a cabin and make them watch Disney films. For hours and hours and hours, and the sound of music, and you just see the cabin from the outside, and you hear all those familiar songs. And you're like, and then she comes out, and the whole camp is gathered, and, and the 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 camp director's like, well, and she takes about thirty seconds to put this fake smile on her face. That is such a magnificent little piece of physical acting. It's just so. And she says, okay, I want to have fun. I want to be in your um, in your Thanksgiving pageant, which is the culminating thing. Uh, and she plays Pocahontas, and she and her and all the kids who are outsiders at Camp Chippewa under her organization end up destroying the, uh, the pageant. And it is just one of the three or four or five funniest scenes I have ever seen in a movie. I I know, it sounds like I exaggerate, but 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 I. I, You um, made me want to see it now. How how old was she when she did it? She must have been 12 or 13 when she did it. And again, the, the, the Redneck script is so sharp. And it's amazing that anyone could that not that that group of actors could do those lines well, you know. There's they have another they have another little baby, and you know. So this is like a, a typical joke from the film, and you know, you see Gomez and Morticia standing there, and Gomez says, "Uh, he has your father's eyes," and she says, "Yes, give those back, darling." <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's that kind of humor. I, so, I,
2: I was just so disappointed by the first one. Check out it and is, and that's one, why I, I just. It had no interest in seeing the second, it and is, it and
1: it's so interesting. Because, and I like all those people. Yeah, all great people. And I loved the show as a kid. And a brilliant, no, and a brilliant script. It's even sharper and a little bit darker than the script, but dark in a good way, in a funny. It 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 highlights it, you know, backdrops the humor in a way that's just completely unique. Um, she should have had a better career. She's still out there working. She works in TV. She is. I frankly find her kind of the same
0: mm. in most evidence. yeah i was going to say the same thing she tends to be the same did you see her woody allen movie <clears throat> which one was
2: that it's his worst comedy not because of her
1: wow that's saying something
2: uh, it's called anything else oh god And it's yeah, jason, I about that one. did you see it no oh it's jason biggs and her and woody allen is in it as yeah, well i saw it and it's basically it's structured very much like annie hall Except it's totally misogynist. Uh, really? Woody Allen misogynist? No, 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 but I mean. Spoiler alert! No. <laughs> no, actually, the one thing you can say about uh, Woody Allen, as long as we're talking about supporting actress,
1: Oh, Diane Weist would uh, would, well no, but I mean, but but,
2: uh, he's directed six actresses to Oscars. Yeah, yeah, and that's possibly because he's written
1: good parts for them. No, that's true. That's true. Um, Separating the artist from the
2: art. But uh, but but anything else is is not one of them. And she was the lead, and I thought she was miscast, and so was Jason Biggs. And it's it's a truly truly dreadful movie. But even in a good movie like The Opposite of Sex, the Don Moose movie, right, which he is which is a pretty funny movie. She's sort of
1: the same. Maybe. Well, I mean, I but I like to believe that somewhere there's an alternate universe, you know, like the Upside Down and Stranger Things, where she's where she's Anne Hathaway, you know, the child actress who makes good. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and maybe she's just better as. But if a she ch- works. She works. That's yeah. Great. And she's oh, she's never not worked. Not so much in feature films anymore, no. but she's always worked on TV. I haven't seen but, her since the Woody Allen film. But whatever you think of her as a as an adult performer, as a child performer, it, <laughs> it, it is the funniest performer <laughs> I've ever seen by a child actor. Period.
0: Full even, stop.
2: Even more than Jodie Foster. Yep. That's my favorite child. It's I
0: funny because I was gonna I was gonna talk about Jodie Foster because one of the things I really love about Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver is that that part typically whoever plays it would play it as this like vulnerable, lost, waif type thing, and she plays it more as like a very experienced, worldly forty Tough. year old. Tough. Yep. It's and, so funny
1: that we're talking about it because, and, she, and she
0: comes off much more knowing than the Robert De Niro character. Yeah, she, I think, uh, she credit she, she always she has always credited the Scorsese and De Niro with her performance. Said so that they they like just brought her along and taught her everything.
2: It's a, it's a great, it's the only time I think I would have ever if I had been a, an Academy member voted for a child. Not Oscar. Tatum O'Neill, huh? No.
1: no. <laughs> I knew where that one was going. Yeah, I it's funny, Tatum O'Neill is good in it. Because I just saw um, mm-hmm. I t- the revival mm-hmm. of my favorite Sondheim musical, Assassins, at uh, Classic Stage How Company. Is it? It's it's very good. It's not nearly as good as the the first great revival with Neil Patrick Harris really? and that crew. Okay. But it's worth seeing because it's so on un- you. And unfortunately, more and more prescient as time goes on. But, um, and if there's, you know, John Hinckley is one of the characters and he, of course, you know, does what he does and almost kills Reagan uh, because uh, of his love for Jodie Foster's character, Iris. I wonder uh, if she's yeah. a taxi driver. If she's heard from Hinckley now that he's out. Do you know that my wife went to college with her at oh, yeah? to Yale and this and was in the same house. And they don't they, they their houses are dorms, dorms or houses there. And Jodie Foster. That was like only a year or two after Hinckley right. made his assassination attempt, and so she. Very much kept she I mean Jody Foster's brilliant. I mean she know oh, yeah. she, no, she, is. she yeah. wrote her her honors thesis in, you know about French literature in French. I mean, you know she's no yeah. she's but is she, but she had security and it was very, yeah, very I guess Yeah, so. she did not talk about that with anyone else I you wonder know, why. understand. So um, Barry Sonnenfeld, Adam's Family Values. It's always on TV. Try to see it uninterrupted. And again, especially focus on the scene where she, as Wednesday, leads the absolute I'm and gonna, utter destruction of the Thanksgiving pageant at Camp Chippewa. It's priceless.
2: I'm going to make a point to watch it, because I didn't realize Paul Rudnick had uh, And I think uh, it's it.
1: definitely your kind of humor, Mike. I think you, I think you yeah, really like it. Yeah, the
2: first one just didn't no, do anything. No, and
1: as I also said, it's the rare sequel that's better than the original. Wow, yeah. You're number four, Mikey. Oh,
2: okay. <clears> okay. <throat> Dame Edith Evans, mm. who a lot of people probably don't know, for her performance. We as don't
0: the, care. We know her as yeah. Lady
2: Bracknell <laughs> in *The Importance oh, of Being oh, Earnest*, by, sure. by, directed by Anthony Asquith in 1952. Now, this is only the at 62. This is only like the third talkie that she ever made. She did, did not make that many movies until she was much, much older. No, that's right. And yeah. apparently, was, uh, according to Olivier's uh, memoir, was having problems remember, with lines. lines. Yeah. And so that's when she started doing more films. But uh, this was made in 1952, and The Importance of Being Earnest is just one of my favorite plays. And this is a superb, superb film. I assume
1: you've seen some live performances. Oh, of, of course. It. How does how does the film compare with the stage performance? It's actually quite good.
2: Yeah. It's a little shorter, but it's quite good. Um, the the recent one with um, uh, Brian Bedford on Broadway as Lady Bracknell was just priceless, <laughs> frankly. Uh, but every other uh, every other Lady Bracknell I saw, and I've seen a couple in London, isn't quite as good as the movie. And and Edith Evans is part of it, and you could say it's a leading performance, but it's not really. Because Lady Bracknell only appears in Act 1 and in the last part of Act 3. And right. And I'm not going to describe the plot of the No, 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 you'll read <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, because if this. you haven't seen it, you'll read it. If you ruin. haven't right. seen it. But uh, she plays, I guess the nicest word, word to describe uh, Lady Bracknell is battle axe.
1: Nice. And, I don't use that word enough anymore.
2: Yeah, no. well, she is... Um, <laughs> And something about the way she just says the word, A (laughs) handbag" Is so totally, totally memorable. And now, there are two versions, film versions, of The Importance of Being Earnest. There was one done in 2002. Yeah, which which is pretty good. I don't think so. I think it's awful.
0: Oh, really? I haven't seen it in a while.
2: Oh, I think Judi Dench who I lo- like very much, yeah. plays it like Queen Elizabeth. Mm. And they tried to update it, they tried to give Lady Bracknell a uh, background as a, s- a saloon singer, which made I no I don't sense. remember that. Yeah, you see a, bla- you see a um, flashback. It to really me. doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And nope. uh, oddly enough, in that particular, uh, the, the leading men were Colin Firth and mm. Rupert Everett, good actors. Oddly enough, in that uh, particular film, the one I remembered most fondly was Reese Witherspoon. Really? Yeah.
1: Michael, you'll be happy to know that a couple of my senior teachers are teaching importance of being artist. Oh, it's, it's still
2: being taught. Good. It is such a wonderful play. Yeah. It's, but it's, it, it's but it's the it's Anthony Aswic, and it's going to be at Film Forum. Ooh! Uh, th- that's what I uh, brought this out. It's going to—I it, don't know the dates, but they're doing a selected screenings for Oscar Wilde. Oh, very that's, nice. Uh, the picture of Dorian Gray. Ugh. See, I, I think you don't like that movie because you know it's about you. Well, I—I oh I, I, I don't want to go there. It so is we can, we're looking at the
1: painting. Right I, 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 I i didn't want
2: to go there, but <laughs> the, the, the Trials of Oscar Wilde, the Canterville Ghost, Salo, Salo, Salome and the importance of being... You earners. have to say I, it like Gloria
1: Swanson says it. Salome! Salome! Salome. Salome. <laughs> but I
2: trust they're doing the uh, 52 version and not the 2002 version. But uh, uh, Edith Evans, that was like, uh, as I said, only her third talkie. She made a couple movies at the end of the decade, uh, Look yeah. Back in Anger and The Nuns story, and then her film career took off when she did Tom Jones. Oh, And that sure. was her first Oscar yeah. nomination as uh, Miss Weston, and then the following year um, uh, she was nominated again for uh, the Chalk garden yeah and, then and she was it, in she her was 70s excellent. by then she though, was right? in her late 70s yeah. i think and then and then uh, her her great performance one leading role was in the whisperers yeah in 1967 which
1: i did not see it's it's yeah.
2: it, turner has it it's quite quite good it's it's very
1: grim it's yeah. so interesting, you know. I, it yeah, just hit me as I was really listening to you talking about this, Mike. Is that this last episode and this episode, and I think a lot of our listeners may be in the same boat. I have not seen so many of the films that you guys have mentioned over the last two last two episodes because I tend to focus on the films made by the star directors, right? And I've missed a lot of great performances right. because well, of that. So be taking notes at home, please, because these guys know what they're talking about.
2: Well, the, well, the Chalk Garden was made by Ronald Neem. And uh, The Whispers by uh, Brian Forbes. So it wasn't yeah, that Not case. unknown directors. Not unknown, but, but uh, you know, good directors. And then she started making really small parts. And, um, but uh, her last film was a, a very funny little movie called Nasty Habits, uh, Watergate in a Nunnery. Yeah. And, yes. she, and she played nice. uh, Lyndon Johnson, and it was released mm-hmm. posthumously. She's literally on her deathbed yeah, <laughs> in the yeah, movie. But
0: I, I, I liked her in everything. I read, yeah,
2: I but the, you've seen Port, this Port and Sabine Ernest, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I have not seen it. Turner, no, Turner good. has it uh, frequently. It's, it's just, a, and it's a little shorter than the original, but mm-hmm. I, I love that movie so much. Margaret Rutherford is also in it. She plays Miss Prism. And, uh, it's, and Michael Redgrave is the lead, and he's excellent. Oh, Lord. And Lord. Um, what a cast. Yeah, and it's really, really good. And if you haven't seen anything by Oscar Wilde, that's the, that's the movie to introduce yourself, because you're going to have a really great time.
1: Lovely. And, I, and, and uh, I'm, I'm, my list is growing and growing here of things I need to see. All right, we're moving on up to number three. John okay. Meyer, the ageless John Meyer the don't painting's look in that closet. the
0: painting's getting older I know exactly Just don't look in that closet if you'd played
1: the part it
2: would have been a better film
0: well yeah I will say well, that yeah.
2: <laughs> you are a better actor than Hurt Hatfield
0: it's not saying much but yeah John is the thinking man's Hurt Hatfield
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's better than being the Thinking Man's Laird Krieger. So I mean, you know. <laughs> okay. Yes. Anyway, next week on Obscure Forty's. My 40s number actors. three. Let's
0: <laughs> let's let's get on with it. My number three. What leave showbiz? It's actually someone who could, you could make a movie about, and that's Ruby D. Yes. yes. Raising in the Sun. Yes. Mother 1961, sister. directed by Daniel Petrie. Uh-huh. Ruby D. Poet screenwriter, playwright, journalist, and civil rights activist. In fact, for a while, she was much more of a civil rights activist than an actress. Um, she was very, very involved. But she plays Ruth Younger, the wife of Walter Younger, played by Sidney Poitier. It's a great cast. Love the film. Oh, oh I love it, too. Yeah. I, I think it's still one of the best film adaptations, adaptations of a play I ever made. I know Sidney
2: Poitier was in the play. Yes, almost was the Louis
0: entire... Louis? Yes. Okay. Yes. Almost I the thought entire so. cast was in the original uh But production. Ruby
1: D had been in some films
0: before uh, Yes. Right? Yeah, I think I think before you Reason? are correct. There was a period where she was pretty active making films and then not as active, she kinda went back and forth. But um, but the thing that I, I really love about her and is as soon as you see her, you can feel all the pain mm. and disappointment she's endured endured over her life. I mean, all the the dreams of something better have been crushed. She has the weight of the world on her shoulders and is old before her time. But she's the one who gets everybody going in the morning. She runs the household. She does everything for her family. She has a job. Um, And because of the emotional investment that, that Ruby Dee puts into this character, the moment when she learns that the grandmother has put a down payment on a house. On the house. Her joy is just so much more meaningful. It's very, very moving. And Clyburn Park. Clyburn Park, which <laughs> is an all-white neighborhood. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil it for someone who hasn't seen it, but let's just say they get a visit from someone from Clyburn Park to talk to them about their called, called a welcoming committee. But um oh, it's a wonderful movie and she's played great. by John Fiedler, one you know yes, great, yes. And great character. And actor. she's great and it's a it's a great cast. Uh, I mean Sidney Portier, as I mentioned before, Ruby Dee Diana Sands, yes. who I almost picked as one of my she plays toys. Benny,
1: she plays Benito? Yes.
0: Yeah. Who sadly yes. died very young. Yes. Yeah. Claudia yeah. McNeil as the grandmother, mm-hmm. John Fiedler, Ivan Dixon, Lewis Scottson has a really good uh, short scene it's, it's a wonderful cast and
1: a wonderful play and, and yes. you guys will be happy to know that I teach I teach that one yes. um, yeah. uh, along with um, Clyburn Park Ah. With, with, with the play, and which I, I them, love. Yeah, I, I uh, love that play. And to do them together, back to back, there's uh, so much resonance there. But so you'd be I happy. i take your class. Josh. This 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 generation, <laughs> yeah, this generation is still uh, is still being exposed to *Raisin in the Sun* until Lorraine Wonderful. Hansberry, which is which is critical. That's
2: why I a lot of uh, critics and theater people gave um, Puffy Combs a hard time for playing. Uh, I saw that production, he was good. He wasn't bad, and I,
0: he, the end scene, he yeah. didn't quite. Anyway, I want to get but, back to oh, Ruby Dee. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> because there were there were other movies she did before this. She Actually, her first movie was in 1946. Wow. That Man of Mine. Um, that she she was in movies in the 40s. Uh, easy to get, The Fight her Ends, what a guy, the Jackie Robinson story. Oh, terrible. She was in No Way Out. Uh, the Tall Target, Go Man Go, Edge of the City, which is really Edge good. City's yes. a great movie. Yeah, though. John Cassavetes and also Sydney Portier. St. Louis Blues, Virgin Island, Take a Step and then A Raisin in the Sun and, and other movies too but she also did a lot of TV work and um, as I said, I mean, she, she was pretty working pretty steadily but she was so involved with so many other things right. and... Very, very active and in the civil rights movement. she movie.
2: received an Oscar nomination at age 85.
0: That's right. For American
2: Gangster.
1: Yes. That's right. Yep. And, you know, you guys know how much I love Do the Right Thing. And she is the moral center of that Absolutely. film. Mother yes. Sister oh, is, yeah. the, is the moral center
0: yeah. of everything else revolves yep. around her. And it's a yep. brilliant little performance yeah. there. She could yeah. do no wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, everything everything I've ever seen her and she's excellent. Always, always very emotionally invested, very moving. But
1: yep. uh,
2: I, my uh, love of Raisin of the Sun is just... Uh, and can I tell you something? It holds up. Oh, yeah.
0: My students love it. As I said... Uh, the, yeah, the, it holds the, up very well. The, I just watched it recently. It's, it's the movie. Is, it's still really And good.
2: The, the the play the movie follows the play when I saw Puffy Combs. I gave him credit for getting people yeah. to see that place. Yeah, absolutely. I gave him a lot of credit. And it's, uh, this uh, winter, it's going to be done in uh, Minneapolis at the Guthrie Theater. And uh, actually, I'm going to see it because I'm going there for another reason and I'm, I'm making a point to see Apparently, it Apparently,
0: uh, when they were doing the play and continuing on into the movie, Sidney Poitier and Claudia McNeil did not get along well. Really? No, they, they fought because each of them thought that the play should take more of their point of view. Hmm. And uh, Poitier said later in his autobiography that he felt like she genuinely hated him. Huh. But uh, apparently... He's Lorraine playing her Hansberry, son, so that's problematic. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. But apparently Lorraine Hansberry took more of the side of the grandmother. She felt that that's where the real point is. Talk about someone made. we lost too soon, huh? Yes. I mean, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, All righty then. Yeah, you can't argue with Ruby D. My number three is similar to uh, a couple of choices that I had listed in the uh, supporting actors. There were two performances that I mentioned, both from the early 90s, both from actors that I had never seen before, who just exploded onto the screen as uh, Ray Fiennes and Schindler's list. And Don Cheadle and *Devil in a Blue Dress*. Mm-hmm. My female equivalent of that comes from a little bit later, and this is someone who had had been known a little bit for her TV work, but who, and you guys know, we've talked about Alexander Payne a lot. I am not a huge Alexander Payne fan generally, except for *Election*, uh, which I think is is one of the great American films about America. Ever you don't ran. like *Nebraska*. I like *Nebraska*. Um, I think, I don't know why I don't like the film I'm going to be talking about, which is sideways, you know, because it features a, um, balding, bearded, uh, <laughs> bitter, semi-alcoholic English teacher. Um, You're not I, semi-alcoholic. I, 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 that's true. I'm, I'm full alcoholic. but no, uh, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know why I don't like that.
2: It's film. funny. I loved it when it came out and, and then I recently watched it.
0: And I feel exactly the same way. I don't like yeah. it and, you know, as much. Yeah. Great, yeah, perf- I, 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 loved it too when I first came out, and then when I saw it again, I didn't like it as much.
1: Great performances, you know. Yeah. Paul Giamatti is the main character. Thomas Hayden Church is the friend who's his friend who's about to get married, so he takes him on a trip through wine country, and uh, turns out Thomas Hayden Church wants to have a have one last fling, fling before he gets married, and the person he chooses. For his one last fling is an actress I had never seen before. She had been in Arliss, the HBO series with Robert Wool about the sports agent. Never, see, I had never seen her before. And she play, She she's pouring wine, and he kind of falls in love with her. And it's Sandra Oh. Yeah. And she just... Another she's one of those him. moments yeah. where you're just like, Wait, who is this person? She's amazing. And... Well, you know her film work has been mixed. The stuff she's done on TV, and es- especially, I'm not a Grey's Anatomy fan, and that of course Never is where it. she made Yeah, that made was yeah, that
0: was she, was, which was on for a long time. Never but
1: heard. uh but sh- uh, she um th- there's this, you know when she finds out in the movie what Thomas Hayden Church is doing, she didn't know that he was engaged. She just grabs her motorcycle helmet and smashes him yeah, across and the head, and deservedly of so. Oh my God, it's such a good, She's such, and you're like, who is this person? Yeah. She's such a powerhouse, and you see it in the first two seasons. I can't speak for the third because I gave up halfway through of killing Eve, but she's brilliant in that. She
2: was good. I gave it up too. Yes. And and another, you know,
1: (laughs) talk about too close to home. Her performance in the chair. Oh my god! I love the chair, and I think
2: she's brilliant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Another person added to our list of people who have been ups in up and down vehicles, but have never given a bad performance. Yeah. And she is certainly not classically beautiful, but there is something just so magnetic about her. Yeah. You know, playing everything from a, you know a CIA operative in Eve to uh, you know to a doctor in uh, in Grey's Anatomy to you know a wine pourer in Sideways, which is the yeah. performance, I, performance I'm citing her for. She can do just about anything, yeah. and she's one of those actors or actresses that you just say, "I'm just glad I'm in a world that this person has become successful in that yeah. appreciates yeah. someone like that who's in sort of an out of left field." So t- talent. So again, my number three. Is uh in a film I don't particularly love, but she she just bursts forth from the screen, Sandra O oh in uh Alexander Payne's uh Sideways. And anyone four.
0: out there listening, if you haven't seen the chair on the Netflix, gotta see it. And we are not drinking Pinot. We are not drinking <laughs> Pinot.
2: <laughs> Agreed. Alright, Mikey, number three. Number three, I'm I'm hesitant to name this person because Everybody out there is probably sick and tired of me talking about this movie that she's in. It's Leslie Manville in Fantastic Four. Sure, of
1: course, but what a performance.
2: She is a brilliant, brilliant actress, and she's, uh, I I don't know how to describe, she just disappears into her roles. Most of her film work has been in uh, Mike Lee movies. Right. Uh, High Hopes, Secrets and Lives, Topsy-Turvy which
1: she plays Mrs. Uh, Gilbert. Well, I'm an insane Gilbert and Sullivan fan, so and I love that movie. She is wonderful in it. The, yep. the,
2: the scene where she realizes she cannot just communicate with her husband, it's heartbreaking. All in Nothing, Vera Drake, Mr. Turner. Another year which I talked about is one of my 10 best of uh, the uh, decade. She's uh, wonderful in the TV uh, PBS TV series World on Fire.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's on exploring. PBS,
2: and she's going to be playing Princess Margaret in the last two seasons. That's right of the Crow. Oh, Fantastic, yeah. perfect. But her performance as um, uh, Cyril Cyril um, Woodcock, the uh, old—I believe it's the older sister of Reynolds Woodcock—is it, just masterful. Uh, she's. Kind of a Mrs. Danvers character, but not really, because you never really know exactly what she's thinking, and you never know exactly what side she's on. But right you
0: now. always know she's thinking.
2: You always, always know yes. she's always. thinking. Always
0: just radiates
1: it.
2: And yeah. the, you know every every shot she's in, you know there is so much, so much going on. Yeah. And uh, she she is really really quite brilliant in. I have to say, one of the best movies I've seen in the last 25 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, my, you, that was your favorite of the teens, right? Yes, yep. it was my favorite of the
2: teens. It, it's my oh, favorite it's a, it's of this century. I, I, this century. That's why I am can't wait. Oh, this century. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. No, um, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it can't be a coincidence that in the few performances we've talked about so far, two of them are from Paul Thomas yeah, Anderson
2: film. Yeah, oh, he really knows how to work actors um, well, and... Um, so the and i i've also seen her on stage she did long days journey tonight which she brought to bam i don't know if you got a chance to I see I did that. not see that performance opposite jeremy On she was quite quite good i saw her in the visit uh she's just a, a wonderful actress i think she's finally getting a little bit known she was nominated she was for nominated, this, yeah. for this film she did lose it to um uh for uh, it wasn't me alison jenny for um the mother in Titanic. Oh, it was very good. It was very wonderful wonderful good. I, I can't say she didn't deserve it. But yeah. that's the trouble with. There's the, another actress the who's Owe just great Owe in everything. Yeah, she I is. almost picked her,
0: actually. Um, yep. Something I want to say is that all the people that we've mentioned because we've we've talked a lot about um, when you're talking about just Leslie manfold before, it's like you always see her thinking, mm-hmm. and that the person's very invested. There's there's a strong emotional life, and a lot of this has to go back to acting in general. That the actor has done their homework. Yes. They've taken the time to really, really invest themselves into that character. Uh, Cause I think that sometimes people just think they just get up there and learn the lines and do it. And somehow it's magic. And it's not magic. You have to put the work in. So yes. anyway, no, and stop I think pontificating. A, no, 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 John, <laughs> I think that's a really, really,
1: really important point that is, as you say, is often overlooked. And so we come to the end of part one of episode 34, no small parts two our study of our favorite performances that were not necessarily recognized at the time by our best supporting actresses. And I think you'll agree that was a wide range in our numbers 5, 4, and 3, and it's going to get even wider in 2 and 1. So that'll hopefully bring you back to the next episode, which, as I mentioned at the beginning, will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to that. And I should just give a sneak preview. Our next episode for December is going to be a return to our alternate Oscars Format, which people really tend to like, except this time we're reaching all the way back to the very first full decade of Oscars, and that, of course, is the 1930s. And we our feverish little brains are already stewing about that one. So, again, thanks for listening. Remember that we are available on. Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on SoundCloud. Check out the website at www.vintagesand.com. And for our traditional farewell, in addition to the happy Thanksgiving and holidays and Hanukkah coming up for those who celebrate, we wish you that your favorite films may always be streaming.